Hi everybody, Mike Hancock here. And on this part of our summit, we have Petsy Georgievsky from Melbourne, Australia. Hi Petsy, how are you? Hey Mike, I'm really well, thank you. Thanks for having me on this show tonight. Yeah, great. And it's, it's wonderful to have you. He's the, uh, the chairman, or actually the CEO and founder, I think you've given Vasco the title of chairman of the Global Dialogue Foundation. And uh, have I got your title right? Tell me that first. So Vasco's, Dr. Vasco Nadovsky is the founder. I'm one of the co-founders, yes. And yep. I'm the uh, current chairman and CEO. Chairman and CEO, great. Now I've got, now I've got it right. I'm on the board, so I should, I should <laughs> know, but I, I'm not very title-focused. I don't even know if I have a title these days. Um, we've known each other a long time now, and uh, I think what you've done for the world is outstanding. And I want to go back to 2008. And 2008, you were in a room at the Duxton Hotel in Western Australia for a weekend that I was running. Um, you were one of about 80 people in the room. And it became obvious to me during that time that you had a massive vision. What was your vision and why did you start this Global Dialogue Foundation.org? Hey, cool. Thanks, Mike. Um, well, look, that was about the time I was moving out of, or kind of, in a, I was in a transition phase at the time. I had been um, running a company that um, was involved in international logistics, um, which I was involved in starting the, um, the international division. So I was an American company and my now former business partner and I started the, uh, the international division. We opened uh, six offices in six different countries over the six or so years we were together. And I was kind of going through a phase where um, I guess I was having some realizations deciding that, you know, I, I actually need to do more in my life. I want to do more in my life to give back to society. And that the way I was going was not really what I was looking for. You know, there's only so much yeah, um, yeah. fulfillment you can, I could have got in what I was doing at the time. So I was looking for something else and kind of, that was the turning point really. Uh, when it comes to my ideals for what um, what I was wanting, it was really about, you know, always, ever since I was a kid, I remember that for me, it was always about uniting people. And the word right. unity for me has been really prominent um, throughout my life for as far back as I can remember. So I would, I would be the guy who was uh, always looking to unite people who were you know, at each other or, or um, unite the team that I was playing in. Um, that was, you know, it was always top of mind for me, unity, um, especially in family, especially in what, wherever I was and whatever I was doing. And then when I was, it was, at, it was 2007 when this sort of happened for me. And I told my former business partners that, look, I'm, looking at transitioning out of what I'm doing and moving into something that's going to contribute uh, more to society than what I'm currently doing. And I reckon I've got about a year I'll work myself out of the business. And um, so that happened that way pretty much. And um, yeah, I, uh, I actually met Vasco um, under really interesting circumstances. The, the um, I was suffering some pretty excruciating back pain and when I um, went to visit a, a friend slash travel agent 
while I was planning a, a, an overseas trip for my father and I uh, to take some time out and spend a couple of weeks together, um, I was in really bad pain. And anyway, they introduced me to Vasco and we uh, went over to see him that afternoon and I sat on his treatment chair. He put his hands above my head like so. No, barely any contact except for slightly on my chest. And then within about 20 minutes, he asked me to get up, walk around the room and whether I'd still had the pain and it would disappeared. And um, I'm in excruciating pain, like sciatica shooting down my legs and, yep. you know, yeah. And uh, it was gone and that was it, never came back. And uh, so I just decided, uh, here's someone I need to find out more about. And um, he handed me a copy of his book. He's, it's, uh, it was, it's written in Macedonian. It's how he wrote it. And it's a scientific document, really, which uh, I found really difficult to understand, even though I could read basic Macedonian. And um, so from that point on, I went and saw him every once a week and I'd learn about his work and what he was doing and everything that I was sort of thinking about, you know, if I multiplied it by a thousand, you know, sort of where he was already at, uh, if not mm. more, you know. So uh, that's sort of the turning point. That was kind of what had us had it uh, get started. So tell me, uh, Global Dialogue Foundation, what's the fundamental mandate that sits underneath everything that it does? Because it's very far reaching. And we may get into a little bit more about it later on, but I've, I've got some really specific questions about what's going on in the world and, and really drawing on your expertise there. But, but let's just uh, find out what's the fundamental mandate that sits underneath uh, GDF? So if you, if you um, look out into the world and, you, you know, you look at the global governance structures we have in place currently, you, you know, we're, um, we have um, a United Nations, which is doing what it can to bring nations together and then countries around the world doing whatever they can to prosper and survive, etc. Uh, what Global Dialogue Foundation presents is a model for creating an extra two um, major pillars in the world. Uh, one would be United Civilizations, which is our role, and Global Dialogue Foundation serves as a nucleus for the creation of United Civilizations, which was launched officially last year in India, which we can talk about a little later, yep. um, and then also to serve as a model not to be involved in, but to serve as a model for bringing the different religions together in a type of united religions. So there would yep. be a UN, which is the government pillar, which is already in place. There would be a UC, a United Civilizations, which would be represented by ordinary citizens, ordinary people like you and I, from business, from the private sector, from various sectors. And let's face it, people who are in um, government roles when they when they finish up with their mandates, they end up being ordinary citizens anyway, right? Um, for the most part. And then there'd be a united religions, which would bring all of the religions together and work together for the common good. So, you know, we're talking about improving living conditions in communities around the world. So that's really to serve as a nucleus for the creation of a UC, a United Civilizations. So that's, in a, in a sentence, that would be it. In a sentence, that is a huge, huge task and, and one you, I know you never took on lightly and I find it fascinating that your background 
It literally is united, uh, cities united on the planet, the planet united with the stars, and even your shirt that you're wearing is united with your background. So it's, <laughs> it's phenomenal. Um, Petsy, you also uh, have a very successful business that you run during your, which is your day job as well, that started a few years back. So, um, and just so people know that you're, you know, not necessarily uh, Mother Teresa reincarnated, although sometimes you are. Um, what's your day-to-day -day business? Just tell us what that is. Yep. Um, look, prior to Global Dialogue Foundation, I was in the international logistics business. Um, so I'm still in international logistics. Um, so, and, and at the time, when I did make the transition, I actually removed myself from any business function. So... For a period of seven years, I focused on Global Dialogue Foundation, you know, really committed to it, and I had zero business interest. So I'd sold my interest in the business at the time, so I was able to make some space uh, to really focus on this. I did, a, uh, at the time, I did, a, a, you know, a lot of personal development work and a lot of um, traveling. So seven years on, we, um, two of my brothers, and I'd always had a dream to, have a family business. And in my old business, I did hire family, but they weren't my business partners. So um, two of my brothers were importing together and uh, they knocked on my door and said, look, we're, we're keen on taking this further. Uh, what are your thoughts? Would you be interested in joining us? And at the time I was sort of in a spot where I really, you know, I needed to move on and do something again. Um, in the business world. And I said, look, yeah, sure. Let's do it. So we started pretty much, grassroots um, yep. and we import and distribute uh, four-wheel drive accessories and camping equipment so you know anything four-wheel drive related camping tents awnings you know heavy duty bull bars and so on um, that's one part of the business and then the other part is an international logistics division where we uh, service a select number of importers in Australia and we help them with uh, their logistics uh, requirements so handling their imports helping them bring it here and get it delivered to their to their factories fantastic i love this because i'm a great believer in walking with a foot in the material world and a foot in the conscious world and i think to, to be a conscious leader these days you have to do that or you don't understand the fundamentals of the planet you know you can't be just a materialist and you can't be just a, a fluffy conscious guru either because it just doesn't work on either step um Petsy, I'm a little concerned and I want to run this by you because, uh, you know, government and people have been coming together with, you know, diversity and we're all in this together and unity and rah, rah, rah for a number of years now. And it's, it's you know, companies have given more to diversity and, you know, governments have had immigration policies and everything like that. And yet, when COVID came on the scene, I saw two things from two countries I know very well. One was New Zealand, where the Prime Minister basically said, okay, everybody who's not a New Zealander, you need to leave, out, right? That doesn't sound very humanitarian to me. I mean, some of them would have New Zealand partners. Um, some of them uh, were there for a long time. Um, Germans seemed to be evicted pretty quickly. Um, so that was interesting. And in South Africa recently, they've rounded up the Germans and sent them back to Germany. So that doesn't seem very united or very 
um, conscious. And then in Australia, um, your Prime Minister there, Scott Morrison, basically said, well, we'll look after um, our Australian citizens. Oh, by the way, um, 4.5% of our workforce are New Zealanders, which have reciprocal rights between them, but we're not going to pay you anything because you're New Zealanders. Bad luck. You've looked after us and helped our economy for you know, maybe 30 years that you've been here, but now we're not going to look after you. We're, you, know, you need to either go back to New Zealand or look after yourself because we're only going to look after the Aussies. And, and I think my question for you is really, what can we do ourselves, the people listening to this, to ensure that we are creating a more civil society around ourselves in a time where some of the ideals that we've had seem to be being crushed by some of the people who have got pretty big mandates and pretty big uh, axes, if you like? Well, look, the... The, the mission of GDF is really about working with um, citizens and it's really grassroots realities. And, um, you know, that's, we're really, really clear about that. And we don't engage in anything that is the domain of government or religion. So, and, and I guess that's been really a, um, uh, you know, a very, very clear focus for us and our members where when we work with, you know, organisations around the world and mentor them on working, you know, in the Unity and Diversity project, we're really committed to making sure we stay focused on working with citizens on the ground. And what that basically means is, um, you know, for one, steering clear from any politics, right? That's, that's a first and that's a given. And, you know, we don't have, I'm, I'm a, you know, we're... we're um, we're very clear about that and for a really good reason because we're not, we don't have um, access to that domain. We're not interested in, in working in that area. That's the domain of governments. From our perspective, making a more humane or building a more humane community is really about bringing people in a community together to meet, first of all, to meet and get to know each other for starters. And How then, does that look? How, in, yeah. in reality, what, what, what's worked well in that area? And what can so, people that are watching this, that are interested in doing this, what could they do in their community? And also, is there a way in which this could be done more at the moment in an online basis? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, the, to give you a sort of a practical example of what we're talking about is in... Um, in Victoria, uh, one of the cities, uh, it's called the city of Whittlesea. So municipality in the north, which is really diverse in terms of cultures. The, uh, and it's the area I grew up in, so I know it pretty well. Um, we work with a local government there to establish a community leadership network. And basically the community leadership network is um, an organization that's registered with the Victorian Authority. So it's registered with Con Consumer Affairs Victoria. And it's a listed, it's a registered association. So it's run by the community. It has its own governing board. It has its own, you know, it, it, um, its bylaws. It has, you know, an annual general meeting. It elects a, a governing committee, etc. So we help put this group together. And I was the, uh, you know, founding vice chair of that 
uh, group. Right. And what we did was we then began to work towards creating a mandate for that organisation. And it was really about uh, um, uh, promoting intercultural dialogue and understanding. And what that looked like was we would reach out into the community and we would invite people from the different cultures and the different groups that live in the city of uh, Whittlesea to come to a monthly meeting at the council offices. So the city of Whittlesea, um, you know, they most councils in you know Australia these days will have a multicultural policy, or you know, will have goals that are focused on you know helping integrate the multicultural communities. Um, so we would then work with the team there with the uh, multicultural officers who became ex officio members of that association. So this group of eight people would then um, reach out into the community and invite people to come to a monthly meeting. So once a month, it was, you know, the first Tuesday of the month at 7pm or something like that, so that everyone could remember. And we would organise an event on that day. And when we first began, we, uh, we you know, and we would serve, you know, a light dinner, a light meal, so that people come straight after work and get to know each other over some food, which is always helpful. <coughs> so then um, <clears throat> we would have programs like, you know, we would ask the different groups to present information to the, com to the, uh, to the community about their cultural group in Australia. So right. for example, we'd have the Vietnamese women's group um, secretary or the, the president of their association would, talk about the Vietnamese in the community over the last 25 years and what they've been doing, what are the sorts of things that they have found helpful to help them integrate and settle in the, in the city. And around the same table, you'd have, you know, the newly arrived from, let's say from Somalia or from wherever, and they would be listening and then they would be there with a couple of their um, community members. And then you'd see them at the end of the session, they'd, um, go over to the Vietnamese woman and be asking her questions and understanding what it is that they're doing. So they're kind of sharing best practices and sharing knowledge about what it takes to help co the community settle and integrate in the country. Um, and then from there, that group developed a three-year plan and it basically became the leading or if you like the peak body in that community that worked in collaboration with the local government that was really focused on building um, dialogue and understanding between the people of the different cultures in the community. So, you know, it wouldn't be uncommon that there'd be 40 to 50 people sitting around the table once a month and they'd be part of a presentation, let's say, be it from Ambulance Victoria talking about the available services, legal aid, making people aware of what's available in the community. Um, you know, the uh, various, we'd bring in various speakers so once a month, there'd be a program where there'd be um, where the you know people who came in, who presented themselves as leaders of their cultural groups, that they could learn, connect with others, and then go into their groups, into their communities, and help share that knowledge and help people with the integration process. Fantastic. So another example, you know, one of the leading examples of this would be the leading women's health and safety program that spawned from that. So as you know, in GDF, we have nine sectors and one of those sectors is family and one of the subsectors in family is women. Um, so the women group, um, one of the board 
members would then go out and invite uh, other women from the community to join a subcommittee with her. And they would work together to understand the needs of the women in the community. So they would go out and they brought six or seven um, women together and they sat around and they workshopped it, they discussed it and they identified that what the women of the community could do well with would be a, um, a women's training program on health and safety. So they put together an eight week program. Uh, there were in the first group, there were 33 or thereabouts um, different, uh, 33 women from as many different cultural backgrounds. And they came together once a week for eight weeks for a two hour seminar. And the first one may have been on, uh, you know, healthy eating at home. The second one may have been how to handle domestic violence. A third one would have been something else about health. And they did this for eight weeks. And by the end of the eight weeks, you know, I saw the 12 minutes video snippet where they had pulled together, you know, bits and pieces of the whole program. And the mood was actually, was really electric. And, you know, the, the, the women are then empowered to go out into their groups and say, right, here's some of the things we need in our group. Let's look at implementing certain programs. So then they, they get out there and they um, help the community come together and feel more that they are a part of the city of Whittlesea, that they belong here and that they have a place and that they can contribute to the mainstream society. So when, when um, this was presented to the federal member of parliament um, for that area, um, you know, they, uh, he agreed to become the patron of the association. And then he presented it in the, in the Australian parliament as <clears throat> a real leading example of what is happening in Australian community on the, uh, you know, building understanding between people of different cultures. So it's a real, you know, classic case example of helping the community integrate, um, you know, while they maintain their own cultural identities and heritage and be able to celebrate that in the community. So helping people integrate while maintaining their cultural heritage <coughs> and, and ceremonies, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I, I so love that you've said that and it's so important. I want to, I want to follow that up with, um, with a question because, you know, when, when you had this idea and, um, you know, you read Vasco's work and, you know, that it's, it was pretty moving. And, you know, obviously I've read his, read his book, Light, Intelligent Creation, which is profound, deep. Oh, it's not an easy read, but it's really good. Um, so when you came together, you could have done anything, right? You had a blank sheet, a blank canvas in front of you. And you wanted to do it globally. And you wanted to be a, it to be a foundation. But then there was a third word that went in there because it could have been the the global um, food foundation, the global logistics foundation, because that's obviously an area of your expertise, the global shipping foundation, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not, it's the global dialogue foundation. And I'm interested in your opinion and bringing your opinion to what's happening now on the planet as to how important dialogue is now at a, at a civil level and what individuals watching or listening to this can do to bridge borders, bridge religions, bridge problems, bridge fear through dialogue at the moment. All right. Um, yeah. Thanks for that. Look, we're um, <clears throat> we've been developing um, 
you know, helping initiatives, initiatives develop around the world for, you know, 10 years now. And the, the, first of all, the Global Dialogue Foundation really follows on from the Global Dialogue Initiative, which was Vasco's brainchild. Um, and the Global Dialogue Initiative, and you can download it uh, from the homepage at globaldialoguefoundation.org. So it's the uh, Global Dialogue Initiative, which pretty much went out to, um, you know, every sphere of influence led by Vasco, you know, 30 years ago, 25 years ago, um, promoting a just dialogue strategy. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's quite a profound document and it formed the basis of Global Dialogue Foundation, um, as did Vasco's writings in light, um, which go beyond, um, you know, community work, obviously, and anyone yep. who's interested in learning about that could read about it at our website. But the Unity in Diversity Project, <coughs> really, it's a, um, it's, it's a new name or a modernised name for Vasco's vision of universal brotherhood of mankind. And really, it's about um, uh, creating the world together across every single culture and, you know, realising that what unites us is so far greater than what divides us, you know. And so, you know, the, um, the basis on which we've really moved forward to help initiatives develop around the world is really with, um, you know, people who've really taken, who've listened to what we're, we're doing, who've watched what we're up to, who kind of go, yep, this is really leading edge and I want to be a part of it. And they would, you know, write to us or contact us and say, hey, I'm in such and such country and I want to be a part of this. Um, you know, we had a recent example of that in um, Lenora um, from the United States where we presented at the Global Speakers Federation conference in New Zealand. And she contacted us and well, she came and presented herself and said, um, I want to be part of this. I want to be involved in this. And you know, she's proceeded on to set up an office in the United States and really drive that forward. Um, another example of that is in, um, in Africa where we've had, you know, people, and we call them champions because they're championing the cause in their country and they show up and they say, look, I'm, I've read what you're up to. You know, another example is um, an organisation in Kenya called World Radiance International. Um, they contacted us a few years ago and said, we've read everything you've written we've seen every video and there's a lot of content and we want to be a part of it there's schools here that are shutting down because of the intertribal conflict and you know we want to help and and so on so then what we do is we work with the with those people and help them to create um, unity and diversity initiatives in their countries and we're we're really um in favor of working with the local governments or the state governments wherever possible, um, really to help gain support, but to work in collaboration where, where, where it's workable. So, you know, initially when they came to us, they kind of went, well, this is, you know, working with the government, we're not so sure about that. Um, but we presented the example we'd developed, you know, that we'd created in Victoria and said, here's how we've done it. So anyway, within couple of weeks they were knocking on the door of the local commissioner's office they had a meeting with him and two weeks after that they had a letter to say yep we're we want to support you this is um this is great we're interested in this for kenya 
And then, um, you know, since then, they're now developing their third, or, you know, pre-COVID-19, they developed, they started to develop their third Unity and Diversity Summer Camp, where they take um, a group of students away on camp during their school holidays, one, to get them off the street, two, to help them with, um, you know, develop their ethics and so on. But third, mainly to really understand the concept of unity and diversity so that they can bring it back into their lives and help the integration among people of different cultures um, and make it more seamless. And the results that they're creating are just marvellous. Another example is, um, you know, still while we're on Africa in Cameroon, we host a um, GDF hosts a, a monthly meeting for all of the uh, country representatives in Africa. And, um, you know, we all share our experiences, our challenges, and we're all learning from each other. And Cameroon recently started an initiative called uh, Unity and Diversity Clubs. And they're working with one of the bilingual schools. They also have support from the Ministry of um, Culture. And they are implementing a Unity and Diversity Club program where a, um, for the first time ever in this bilingual school, they're actually bringing kids together and saying, right, what can we do to help promote unity in the school? You know, and unity and diversity really is the way forward for us. So, you know, they're just two examples around two the world. Fantastic examples. Um, Petsy, in your mind now in a world that's for most people changed dramatically um, in the last couple of months, and will have ongoing effect. There will possibly be more lockdowns um, around the world, and those lockdowns are very different. Uh, I know in, in, in Melbourne, where you're from, um, people can still basically go to work um, during the lockdown, but uh, in South Africa, where I am at the moment, we can't even walk the dog outside. We're not allowed outside of our... We're not even allowed in the common area of our apartment building. So, um, so that's, that's basically the, the laws are different all around the world. So coming out of this, people have had two real emotions, I feel, sort of creeping in for them over the last few weeks. One has been fear. That's been a huge emotion for people. You know, what's going to happen to my life, my business, my bank account, my everything, right? And the other one has been guilt. Um, should I have done something different? Uh, gee, now I have to spend time with my family. It's the first time I've done that in years because I'm such a workaholic. Um, you know, did I contribute to this in some way? All of those sort of things. So from a perspective of civilization, I'm interested in your insights of what you feel, again, and I like to bring it back to the micro, what you feel we can do, all of us, to continue to live in a civil society supported by um, a lifestyle that most of us have really enjoyed and in a world where it's, you know, we're able to pretty much all of us to achieve our dreams if we, if we, if we just want to. So I'm really interested in your comments on that from, from your perspective of, being such a diverse organization, you know, you've got nine subgroups and nine groups and subgroups under those nine groups. You're everywhere from Cameroon to, you know, Coburg. So, um, so I'm interested in, in your perspective. Mm. Um, look, 
you know, I guess this is a, uh, a drastic change in our way of life for everybody. And, um, and I think that we're and, and constantly, you know, I'm constantly thinking about what we, um, what we may be able to do online um, to connect further. And for me, look, I think that, you know, extending out and reaching out to people in support of, you know, supporting them in whichever way you can or whichever way they may need is a really big deal. Um, And so much so that, you know, I, it's, you know, I, I feel that it's, you know, most of us will find great joy in service and, and, or many of us, I should say, in, you know, from my experience, and this is a great time to be able to do that. And, you know, I guess a lot of people have a lot more time on their hands today than they did, you know, only a month ago. And, and ideally, from the Global Dialogue Foundation's perspective, there is, in my mind, a real opportunity to invite people to step up who are really interested in helping to bring communities in their own locations together. Yep. Um, so what I do know is that from, from the work we've done with the city of Whittlesea and from the work we've done in other countries, you know, and Africa is only one other part, obviously, as you know, we've done a lot of work in India. Uh, we've also done work in the Balkans in Europe. Um, mm. you know, and there's a lot of, a lot happening around the world, um, in the diversity space and unity in diversity has become a, a real buzzword. You know, um, the Indian um, government has taken it on as a slogan. There, um, so it's re- it's it's really it's become. You know, if you if you go back only only five or six years ago, you would be hard pressed to find anything written about cultural diversity. And nowadays, it's everywhere. You know, you only need to Google search, and you'll find yep. a million articles on cultural diversity in the business and diversity offices on focusing on culture and not just tra- traditional, you know, diversity, you know, pillars. But anyway, and you guys um, were some of the people that made that happen. Well, we were certainly among it, absolutely. Um, and you know, we've been driving forward a big mission. And when we first started with our very first forum in Melbourne in 2010, you know, the United Nations Alliance of Civilizations came uh, to that event and we worked together on the development of that. Um, it was delivered under the, the auspices of the Alliance mm-hmm. and we developed that together and then we developed the next one in India together and then we worked together quite a lot um, to, to really drive it forward. And, you know, that was the real, that was the core group driving that, that whole thing forward. So yeah, we've, we've been in it, uh, for a little, for quite a while and, um, we are, we're pioneering the way in, um, establishing a global framework through which people in different communities can come together and really work together. And, you know, I'll, I'll always go back to my memory of the uh, federal member of parliament in my last meeting with him in the city of Whittlesea. And what he said to me was, I cannot explain to you in words how, um, how much benefit this community has gained from the work your group has been doing here. Um, it's just profound. And, you know, I'm, and, and, you know, I read his speech in, in um, the Australian parliament on it and it, and it was really, you know, humbling and, and it really, and what, what I really get from it all is that it's a simple, really simple, yet very, very effective uh, way to move forward. And, 
So anyone around the world um, who's interested in really working in the, in the diversity um, space or helping to bring communities together, um, I would invite you to reach out and let us know what you're up to or what you're, you know, there's already a, a, a massive number of initiatives out there um, and see if there's a way we could work together um, to help move that forward. And, you know, if you think about it, when we're talking about unity and diversity in communities, we have one example in the city of Whittlesea, but, you know, going forward, the United Civilizations framework, the whole thing is based on people from communities representing their community at state level, people from the state level representing their country, uh, their, their state at a country level, and people at the country level from that whole framework representing their country at the international level. So, you know, if you imagine the United Nations being one big framework and we have representatives in other countries, similar but really focused on community initiatives, but working in collaboration with uh, governments, the United Nations, and down the road, potentially a United Religions. Yeah, so, I love that. I think, um, you know, hearing this, people need to go to, to globaldialoguefoundation.org and um, and download the paper. What is it? Uh, where do you find the that? Global, the global Dialogue Initiative. Yeah. Um, the uh, so it's if you go to the Global Dialogue Foundation website, you'll find the Global Dialogue Initiative um, immediately under the first yeah. yeah front and center. Yeah. Yeah. Just download so, the document and, and look at look at where they can plug and play with that because the market's only going to get bigger. And I think one of the trends that that, that I'm seeing and then. Um, we'll start to start to bring this together. But one of the trends that I'm seeing is that, you know, there's a lot of people now that have had to come home. And, you know, these are people that used to go to work at 6am in the morning and come home at eight o'clock at night. And now they're home 24 seven. And so they're looking around their house and they're going, gee, I might have to be here for a while. I'm going to renovate this place. So, you know, there's a lot of DIYers messing around with stuff at the moment, and that's, that's great, and they're having fun. But the interesting thing is that one of the outcomes of this is that we're going to be stuck in our communities a lot more. Um, and what that means is that, you know, corporations are, have found and are finding ways for people to do what they used to do by getting on planes and going across the world online. Um, and... You know, I had an amazing call last week with somebody, I don't remember who it was, who was talking to one of their clients who used Zoom, which is what we're using for this, for the very first time in Malaysia and said, for the last eight years, he's had clients that he's driven backwards and forwards twice a week from Penang to KL to visit and he could have done it all online and he never realised. So we're going to get a lot of that. So what that means is people are going to become... A little bit more insular there's going to be the fear they're going to be scared to travel a little bit even go interstate um, and those type of things so that you know the that may be a strength or a weakness depending on where you're coming from but the opposite of that is now you're going to look around your community and so I look around you know our community in South Africa which is one of our homes here and you know in the community we live in there's obviously a lot of um, British South Africans, Afrikaans South Africans, coloured South Africans, and Zulus and Corses and uh, a few other tribes there. Plus, in my ecosystem of my apartment building in which we live, um, most of our neighbours are Swiss, French, German, 
uh, Norwegian or British. So therefore, now we have a very unique and diverse ecosystem. So if I go to the restaurant that's, you know, 500 metres down the road that Landy and I like to go to, we're going to have a Corsa waiter, a Zulu chef, a um, somebody else maitre d', um, sitting in there is going to be the whole host of races of South Africa, plus British, German, Swiss, and, and us, you know, a Kiwi and a South African. So what that means, I think, is a lot of people are going to have to get very comfortable very quickly in their own home community, whether it be Whittlesea, whether it be the Strand in South Africa, or whether it be, you know, um, Soho in New York, they're going to have to really start to ingrain in that. So what are one or two ways to sort of bring this to a close that you feel people could get more connected locally fast? Well, Zoom is a phenomenal way to do that. And the more I think about it, you know, just I just want to draw on an example. You know, we have a, a, we had a small group a few years ago in uh, Bulgaria who... Uh, you know, we, had a, we have a champion there. She runs an NGO and she said, look, I want to try and bring this to my community. I love the concept. I love the idea, but I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to do this. And so she was connected to, a, you know, a community leader of the different religious groups or different cultural groups. So when she called, so, you know, I worked with her and when she called on each of them to invite them to a meeting, a face-to-face meeting, they all responded to her with, are you kidding? Are you like out of your mind? This is like, are you serious? You want to try and do this? Anyway, they, she got the meeting together and Ileana, who uh, has been with GDF for a long time, she joined them in this meeting. And for the first hour, they were scratching their heads going, but what are we actually going to do together? And how are we ever going to make any progress in a community that's so divided? Anyway, what the feedback I got was after an hour and a half or so of this debate, they all relaxed and they went, wow, this is actually possible. This is actually possible that we can bring people from each of our groups all together to focus on what can be done to help the community improve livelihoods. So when I take the current situation and I glean on that example, um, you know, there are people in communities who are really struggling at the moment and who are really finding it tough. And even if it is just to say hello and ask somebody how they're going and help them, you know, um, connect with someone. So Zoom is a great way to do that. But going forward and thinking about unity and diversity, you know, we're, we're really interested now in launching a European, um, an, a monthly European group that would come together once a month on Zoom, like, like we do with Africa. We'd have a European group that meets once a month on Zoom. And we would, you know, start off by sharing information about what GDF is and what the Unity and Diversity Initiative is. And then we would explore what some of the uh, possibilities are or what uh, are some of the happenings and how we could help move that ahead. But really, for anyone who's watching and was interested in being involved, please reach out, Re- write, write to me. Uh, my email address is pece at globaldialoguefoundation.org. Or you can just write to info at globaldialoguefoundation.org. Let me know you're, you're interested in, um, uh, in participating or being involved. And I'll be delighted to take some time with you and explore. Um, and then 
become part of a, um, a monthly um, Zoom call just like this for, for, for Europe um, and, also for, for, uh, and also for you to join on the global call as well, if you would like. Um, and then from my perspective, it would be to reach out to a few people and it could be to uh, invite some people in your community who you know to start and just let them know that you're wanting to do a Zoom, a community Zoom call. And the purpose of the community Zoom call is to check in with each other and just understand whether there's anything that really needs urgent attention, where someone needs help, where we could really start to look outside of our own, you know, property boundaries and yep. look towards supporting others. So you might have a weekly call or, you know, a, a, you know, a call every other day or whatever would be appropriate. And your, you, you and your small group of friends could reach out and invite some of your friends who are outside of that circle to join and participate. And you might get a small group going once a week or every other day or however, however again, however, you know, often you feel would be appropriate. And you can just explore what's happening in the community, share thoughts, share ideas, and then perhaps start to think about outside of COVID-19 shutdown, what could we potentially do to bring community together to identify the needs of the community and then when we're able to go out, actually go out and address those. And I think really that's where it's at. Meeting, you know, from our perspective, it's really about bringing people together, having a dialogue. Um, and, you know, we would be delighted to host some of those and, and join in on some of those and help through a, uh, a process to, you know, to, to work with you on that. So, yeah. That's fantastic. So. Um, to bring this to, to a close, I think uh, it's a great call to action for people um, to get involved in dialogue because everything starts with dialogue, right? And, and I love the fact that you, um, with the United Civilizations and then with the Future Vision to United Religion, and you've done that work. I mean, it's, we're not talking pie in the sky stuff here, folks. I mean... Uh, you know, Petsy and his team's brought leaders of governments together, leaders of religions together across nations, across the world, live in various forums, online, through documents, through, through different types of uh, mediums already. And, and the, the start of everything is to create dialogue so that we can truly communicate. And communication is the biggest thing that's going to get us uh, back to where we may want to be, even if that looks different than the world that we had in the past. So, Petsy, I want to thank you for, for being on the call uh, with us today. And I really encourage people to connect with you. I really appreciate your time and everything yeah. that you've done. You know, Mike, if I can just add, you know, just in a closing, the, um, the a vision like United Civilizations is enormous, you know, and it's taken me the best part of 10 years to understand it myself. And I'm in it and I'm working in it. Um, so I can understand and appreciate that it's not an easy thing to grasp, especially if you're trying to grapple with, yeah, well, how does it all happen? How does it all work? And it's impossible in this world. Um, and I do want to say that we've gone past impossible and it is well and truly underway. And it is a, um, and, you know, over time for people who are really interested, you know, we'll take the time to um, help, explain so that you're clear on it and so that you know you're best able to contribute towards it and um, that it's uh, you know it is really stepping forward 
into the new world. And we could consider that going out of this crisis, you know, we're really stepping into a new world and, you know, the, the moments that we've been waiting for are here. Maybe that's it. Um, exactly right. Yeah. It's uh, you know, it's an exciting time and we're all, you know, and, and the best part about it is that we're learning together and actually doing it together. That's really the best part. You know? Yeah, it is. We certainly are. Well, again, thank you and thank you. Uh, wish you all the best. Looking forward to catching up with you soon. Thanks, Mike. Thanks very much. See you.